Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Liverpool go 19 points clear. Manchester United get their man in the transfer market. Christian Eriksen has already made his debut for Inter Milan. And the reaction of Olivier Giroud rumours to Tottenham. Bridgie and Paul Ocon's reaction to that is priceless. David Wiener with you for this episode of The Gagan Pod. Much to get into. Let's get started. Bridgie, Paolo, great to see you. Gents, welcome back. Bridgie, good to see you again this week. Paolo, welcome for your first time in 2020 to the Gagan Pod. Have you been? Yeah, good, thank you. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Bridgie. Great to see you back. You Now, Bridgie, you've got looking very chipper this morning. The coffee out, croissants out, well-being juice in. You're a kid in the candy store. You're very excited. Muffins out. Out. out as well, gone. Yeah, the, um, the, the the wellness juice or the well-being juice this morning. Um, I've got a little bit of an incentive. I've been given the opportunity to play in the you know football for the fires, um, for the bushfires, and it's just going to be an incredible match. I'm delighted to be involved with it, and it's the probably the carrot that I've needed dangling, Dave, to lose these love handles <laughs> and get rid of this kite that I've seemed to develop and gets bigger bigger every week of retirement. <laughs> Very well. Some of the names York, Marquisio, Trezeguet, Drogba, uh, Pakji Sunimil, Heskey. Where, where are you going to fit in? Mate, do you know what it is? I was looking at the, the lineup and I was looking at the amount of strikers that are there. Now I'm all one for competition <laughs> but you've got to know your limits. Now I am happy to go and goal, play right back, left back but I reckon I'm going to be a substitute appearance for about five minutes. I've got to ask you, like I used to get such a kick out of uh, you know th- this job and this work that I do and, and I wonder as former prof- professionals, right, and, and you've been at the top of the game and all of a sudden you see this, this come out, you get the call, do you want to lace the boots again? Do you still get a kick out of it like you're 15 years old? I, I do. I've got to be honest. I, I want to play. I still love playing five-a-side. Uh, the futsal with, with my mates at our local venue. And when opportunities like this come up, you know, you never think you're going to be involved in big games and big stadiums ever again when you get past 40-odd. And it was just a, a, a great opportunity. And, you know, it, it's nice to be remembered and to be asked to take part in things like this. And you, I don't like using the word drug. But football, to me, has been that all my life. It's all I've known since I was four years of age. It's in my system. You take football away from me, I might as well not be here. Yeah, I've got my family, but, you know, like family and football go hand in hand. Football is my life, and I absolutely love talking about it. I love taking part in it, and that's why this is a great, great um, thing, and I still get the buzz. No, I look see forward, why I'm smiling. I do, and I look forward to seeing you in goals in that game on the, <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> Good stuff, Bridget. The football for fires, and I think there's another release of coaches and players coming up, so we can't wait for the build-up to that one. I might have a bit more news in our next gig and pod. 
There's another oh, big bit of news coming out from England. Um, I can't announce it as yet, um, but I might have another little bit of fitness hit coming. Oh, in very good. We wait with bated breath. Now, gents, this morning, Thursday morning, we're recording this gag and pod. Bit of midweek Premier League action for us to tuck into off the top with Liverpool. Let's just say uh, they cruised past West Ham 2-0 at London Stadium this morning. Goals either half a penalty from Mohamed Salah before Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain put the game beyond doubt. Paolo, this pretty much said everything about Liverpool. They, they, they did it without raising a sweat. Yeah, look, uh, never an easy opponent, uh, West Ham. Um, and certainly, you know, the, the, the form that uh, Liverpool are, are in at the moment. Um, yeah, look, 19 points, the, the, the difference now between um, Liverpool and City. And it's just, it's remarkable. Uh, you know, I, for one... Um, just keep waiting for them to slip mm. up in terms of not slip up. Lose. Oh, Stephen, <laughs> just, you're horrible. Just, <laughs> you know, for them to lose a game, yeah, um, or in, even draw a game, yeah. just really? so some sort of mortality. Yeah, uh, I can and see them going all season, Paolo. Just unrelenting what they keep uh, producing, and it's it's phenomenal because yeah, we all know uh, at what sort of intensity uh, the EPL is is played at, mm. and for them to be able to you know, maintain that consistently um, in, in, in the manner that they're, that they're doing uh, is, it's phenomenal. Who beats them, Bridget? Will they beat, so that this win against West Ham meant they've beaten every team this season. First time they've done that since the 1800s, so well done to them. The streaks are ridiculous. Allison, for example, has now got the equal most clean sheets in the Premier League. He missed the first however many weeks with injury. It's absolutely absurd. When, what does it take to beat them? Because West Ham parked the proverbial bus this morning. They were really disciplined for a long time. Salah's penalty was the first shot on target all game. Still not enough. What do you do? I can't go back on what I said a few weeks ago. I can see them going unbeaten for the whole season and, and replicating what Arsenal did. They're going to get the most points, I believe, that um, we've ever seen. And I, I don't know how you stop this team because... If you go out and play against them and you play a high and wide game and you try and press them, they find a way. There's gaps. They, they, they're better at it. They're better at the press. They're better at winning the ball back. They're better at creating chances in the final third. A lot of teams have now gone and said, you know what it is? We'll go five at the back. We'll play our three or four and then a one. And again, they find a way. Somehow, whether it's a penalty or whether it's late on in games, this team are finding a way. So I don't know how you stop them because you can't play them at their own game and you stick to your your values, your beliefs, your principles of play and they still find a way. I don't know what it's going to take. I, I think where um, we might see them uh, lose a game is once Champions League starts up again because it's a bit different to last year because last year they were uh, competing with Man City uh, for the title while still in the Champions League so they weren't really um, tinkering with their starting lineup. But the fact that yeah, it's a given that the, the, the title race is over. So what will Jurgen Klopp do? The game, the EPL fixture before a, a, a Champions League uh, mm. game, will he uh, rest players for the Champions League game? And then will that have, have an effect on, on the, the performance of, uh, of them in, in, in the EPL? So I think that's... I agree with that, but as a style of play, can... Uh, how? I just can't see anybody, if this is their best team, I don't know how you stop them, Paolo. It's such a tough challenge. And this was without Sadio Mane as well. Yeah. You know, that was, so the rotation, bring Divock Origi in. Uh, to sum it up, 
that headache, Bridgie. Uh, as I said, the first shot on target was Salah's penalty, so West Ham had sat back and absorbed. Their first corner of the game, West Ham, when they came out a little bit in the second half, Liverpool went and ripped them to pieces off the counter-attack straight off the back of their first corner. And Salah's pass for that for that link-up play um, with Oxlade-Chamberlain's goal, I mean, that was just absolutely brilliant to give them that 3v3. And if you've got them players running at you, West Ham, good luck. And We're talking about one team in Liverpool. You've asked, how do you beat them? I don't think you can, but I'd really feel for West Ham mm. as well. I've I've seen, you know, their fixture list at this moment in time with what's going on at West Ham. They're in a world of hurt and they're in deep poo poo. Yeah, twelve out of seventeen games they've lost, Bridgie, they look completely flat and like they're level with Bournemouth and Watford. Only the smallest of goal difference margins is keeping them out. Like we, they should know as well as anyone, you're not too big to go down. Fall from grace, by the way. Fourth at one point. Yeah. Everybody was talking them up. And then you never, you never, <laughs> you can't say the squad is too good to go down. It's happened to West Ham before. Um, Leeds United, being in that situation where you had a cracking squad. But when you, when morale is down, demeanor is down, there's off field issues going on. You haven't got that fortress of a stadium. Um, behind you that they used to have don't get us wrong it's a beautiful stadium but I still think they've got massive issues there for the fans supporters groups mm. they're in a world of hurt because it's affecting the players and when you know what's going on up top I mean I think Pellegrini was a um, a trophy manager they looked at his CV but they didn't really look at the DNA of what it what it's about down there not not good they, they're in big trouble are they down? Oh, I wouldn't say they're down uh, right now because we said that well I, I said that I thought Wofford was going to go down mm. and then, <laughs> In comes Nigel Pearson and, and, and transforms them into a, a team that you know, goes and wins a couple of games on the trot. So I think important Sunday. Uh, Huge. Brighton. At home against Brighton. They're the games that you can't uh, slip up. They're the games that you need to get results. Obviously, the team's in and around uh, that bottom half of the table. So what happens when you're not winning and you and you you have those uh, uh, important fixtures is that confidence is down and it just makes it even even harder. And, and let's not forget, Brighton are also uh, scrambling for points. So um, those games, they're oh. never pretty to prepare for. Suffocating. Yeah, well, Just lo- looking at the fixtures, you talk about West Ham. They've got Man City, Liverpool, Southampton and Arsenal. They've got a big one this weekend. But I look on. at... Gone. Got it. It's not looking good. <laughs> but I'll tell you another little one there, Dave. I'm just looking at the, the next five matches. Sheffield United have got one, two, three, four of their matches coming up in the next five are against teams in the, the, the last bottom five. Or, uh, yeah. Brighton, Villa, Norwich, Bournemouth. They could secure European no, well, that's football. Right. They're going to get the right rewards for, and this is sort of the difference between, you say, Pellegrini. It's a really nice contrast between Pellegrini and Wilder. Such a distinct, specific, tailored plan. A coach who knows what he wants out of his squad compared to the ad hoc changes that West Ham have made through the years. If you ever want a great example of it, it's that. And now, after being so defensively sound for so much of the season, they're going to be in a position to get rewarded for those points. Whereas West Ham, when they're not cashing on those types of fixtures. Now they're about to get in huge strife. Yeah, I, I, feel I, for I think for for Pellegrini, he's more of a coach that's used to having real, real quality at his disposal. So it's more a case of, okay, boys, this is mm. how I want to play. Go out there and do it. Whereas when you're managing a team like Sheffield United, you've got to get the best out of the players that you have because they don't have that individual quality that, say, a Pellegrini had when he was when he was uh, uh, managing uh, Manchester City. Like he's managing West Ham that doesn't have that quality. So 
you have to. I think it was a. Uh, it's no reflection on him as as a as a as a manager, Pellegrino. I just think he was the wrong choice for West Ham because they don't have mm. that quality, and they were always there was always going to be question marks uh, on their squad whether they were going to be able to um, not be in that bottom half, and whether they were if they were going to get some good results, could they, you know, look towards that that top six? And unfortunately, that's why I'm saying when that dropped, his CV dropped on the desk. At the board level and all that, they've looked and they've gone, oh, mm. Premier League winner. Oh, look at this, look at the CV, it's incredible. It's like Paolo says, they, he's not hands-on working with a lesser group of players. Mm. He's, he's worked. When he's won things, he's had an incredible team of players that are very smart, that don't need that much direction. I heard a fantastic anecdote about um, just around the time Moyes was sacked the first time or his contract wasn't renewed, he advised the club to take a, a roots and all um, audit of, of the club. You know, where are you at compared? You get, you're a rich club. You've got, you know, finances compared to, you know, the top 20 in Europe. What are we doing wrong? And the independent audit came back and said, your leadership and your off-field roles are of the standard, like scouting and high performance of a mid-championship to a League One club. It's not the manager that can change it. You've got to make roots and all change. You know what they did? They pointed Pellegrini. They went back and just found a trophy manager. So I thought that was a really fascinating insight into perhaps where it's all gone wrong and where they have to recover from here. So uh, dangerous times for them indeed. Now, one of his former clubs, uh, not such an issue this morning for them, Manchester City. Now, they did lose to Manchester United in the Carabao Cup semi-final second leg, but they won 3-2 overall after that disastrous first leg for Manchester United uh, a couple of weekends, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Paolo... Manchester United, I look at Solskjaer. We haven't had you on for a while. What's your what's your your, your, your read on on where they're at? Yeah, I think he's under enormous pressure. Um, I mean, he has gone on the record and and said that it's going to take a few years for them uh, to get to the level of Manchester City. And I, I dare say, I don't think one United supporter would have been happy happy to hear that. Um, yes, rebuild. Necessary at Man United, absolutely, but I don't think you get given the time to do that, um, given the history of, of what they've won uh, the past twenty odd odd years. So, yeah, look, I, I I can't see him being there. Honestly, I can't see him being there next season. Even though they keep backing him, like this is the thing: is I can't this, see it, you can't well, see it. I've, no, I've, what happened? Don't mention that backing word. That's the it's a kiss of death. I used to play a champ manager, and as soon as he got the back end of the board, I'm like, right, I've got to find a new club here on champ manager. So, what are they waiting for then? In, in your in your opinion, what are, what are they doing? Sort of just um, sleepwalking through this period at the moment. I think they're just sort of crossing their fingers and hoping that sooner or later it's going to come good, and 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 he's gonna he's gonna get the results to 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 see them, you know, up there competing. But it it's just so inconsistent. Um, I look at the squad. I don't think their squad is good enough um, or, or it's at the level what you would expect of, of Man United. Um, that, I think that's a, a Considering big, the money they've spent. Mm. Absolutely. So you know, bad ha, has recruitment not, not been um, is, is what you would expect, certainly from, from a team that needs to, to rebuild. Are they signing uh, the right players? Um, so they're all questions that... Yeah, and are they, the, the thing here though is that, is that Solskjaer's fault? You know, he signed three players this year: James, Wan Bissaka, and Maguire. He's inheriting a lot of that dead money as well. I there's two things. I look. I'm going off what Paulo's saying. Is Solskjaer keeping that bed or that chair warm 
until Pochettino is allowed to manage again mm. back in the Premier League for next season. Do you think so? I, I do think that that is the job that Pochettino is is probably just waiting and, and ready to go. So you think they're just treading water? I think they are, because if you get another manager in now, yeah. then it's more compensation money, it's a more vicious circle for the club. They're actually just going in the right direction in the league. They're, you know, they're, they're potentially what Champions League, fighting with Chelsea, um, going to get the Europa League. So that's nice, but I think long-term... Because every time I hear his interviews, even Oli after today's game, they got knocked out of the cup final, but he was happy that they'd beaten Man City on mm. two occasions mm. now this season for the first time in, in God knows how long, 50-odd years. Uh, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, you've just got knocked out. And he was so happy seeing the players have pulled together, they've galvanised, they've been magnificent since the went, since we went 3-0 down. He's been a master of spin, hasn't he? It, it, but it's, the, the spin's becoming... A parody. It's yeah, it's it's wishy washy, and it was he was very happy in his players' performances. And then the the guy asked him about, well, Matic got sent off today. Um, why didn't you take him off when he had his his second ye- his first yellow? And you could see, oh, he's the best player in the park, and I'm delighted what he did. You know, he showed true character. I'm thinking that guy got sent off and cost you the game. Stop like sugarcoating this crap. Tell you what, one person he wasn't happy with was Jesse Lingard, who he warned him, uh, if you do this, I think it was a giveaway or a defensive thing, one more time and pulling off. The camera's zeroed in on it, you could see it, and he was off straight away. So it was good to see First a bit time of I've seen authority him look like there. a manager. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, But that is in the context of going into a second leg against Manchester City, pretty much dead and buried. So you talked about recruitment. We'll jump into the transfer market because they did secure uh, in the hours before this podcast Bruno Fernandes, the midfielder from Sporting, who's got an incredible record, guys 15 goals and 14 assists in all competitions for them this year year um, cost uh, it, he will end up costing about six eight million pounds uh, 46 initially plus add-ons from the club that of course uh, Manchester United famously bought Ronaldo from now the thing here is I, I'm asking you this how do you read this uh, is this what they need is, is this the tonic is it because of Pogba that they've been forced into this um, and do you read anything into the fact that they have given Solskjaer Paolo more funds to spend what do you interpret this this signing as yeah, look, it's obviously a, a good deal. It's a it's a very very good player. Um, they've probably uh, that part of the field um, maybe lacks someone uh, of uh, Fernandez's quality, uh, a player that can score goals as well. And uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting one. Does that sort of now soften the blow to unload Paul Pogba mm. and let Pogba go if it is Real Madrid that that we uh, sort of all. Have or he has been linked to? Um, is is this now that that moment where they can, or or is it the midfield for next season when the new manager comes in, where you've got Pogba, you've got Fernandez, and you've got Sanchez coming back from Inter Milan because there's so. <laughs> It, the previous all wrong. I think I think there's something going on in the background where they're just getting ready to work because that midfield for me. That if you're playing that three or wherever you want to want to want to play them, I'd rather see them players in this team together. I'm not a big don't get us wrong. I'm not a big fan of Pogba's off the field antics, but if you put him in alongside quality, and you can get that dressing room going again, you can keep him happy. Um, I I think this is a, a a great move for Man United, a great player that they've signed. Um, whether Pogba goes or not, but I just think this guy uses goals, he uses class, and it's a massive massive. Capture. And from what you've seen, Pella, when we know when they play on the break, you know, I don't have the cavalry. But in those games that are so frustrating, they're horrible to watch. Burnley the other day was just a, watching that was almost, it was, it was a joke. It was like you knew exactly what was going to happen. They could have played for another three weeks, they wouldn't have scored. This is a positive step in the right direction. It's a tool for Solskjaer now that doesn't give him an excuse if they're still struggling with those same issues. Yeah, and uh, 
that's exactly um, the sort of situation that he that he's in at the moment. Um, is that uh, they haven't scored enough goals. Man United at home have had some bad results, and you know we we speak about uh, Man United uh, from the past at home. They were almost unbeatable, and and when they were beating teams, they were really really convincing, and and it's certainly. Um, a part of the game where if you want to be up there competing against the best, you need to be scoring goals. And this season, um, maybe he has had that excuse, um, not having Pogba, you know, Rashford's had, had injuries, Marshall's had uh, also uh, injuries. So from that perspective, he's probably been a little bit unlucky. With this signing now, as you said, that excuse, um, even though he's not a striker, um, that excuse now, you, you have to eliminate. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens because they need him badly and they need him firing. And thanks to Chelsea, they're not that far off the top four race as it is. So we'll see what happens with that over the coming weeks and months. A player, of course, you mentioned Sanchez, another player that's uh, not with United anymore, Romelu Lukaku. Well, he's having a good time in Italy and in the Coppa Italia today. Inter beat Fiorentina to set up a date with Napoli in the semifinals. Juventus will play AC Milan in the other semifinal. But all eyes were on this game, Paolo, because of the debut of Christian Eriksen off the bench. Antonio Conte uh, getting him involved straight away as his Premier League reunion continues in abundance in Italy. Uh, ending a streak of 3-1 or draws, of course, into Milan, who have had a reasonably poor start to 2020 given the momentum they had last year. Um, what have you made of Christian Eriksen's move to Syria? Antonio Conte getting his man um, and getting his way in the transfer market. Yeah, well, we all we all knew that Christian Eriksen wanted out of Tottenham. Um, that was clear from from the start of start of the season. Um, the only unknown was the destination. Where was it going to be? Um, and of course, um, Inter has been chasing him for for a while. We knew that eventually he was going to the deal was going to um, be signed. And uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a, it's a great signing um, for Inter Milan. Um, you know, it's Eriksen's a, a creative player, um, and I think that when I look at uh, Inter Milan and Conte's sort of style of play, it's uh, very physical, maybe a little bit robotic at times. So I think the, the idea of signing Christian Eriksen is to give him a uh, special player, that missing link, to link up with uh, uh, Martinez and, and Lukaku. And, and those three players, well, who would, uh, who would not fear coming mm. up uh, against them and... and, and as Bridgie j- just said, that that may be that uh, missing link, or he will be that 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 link that uh, uh, can push uh, into past uh, Juventus. Geez, Conte's been making some excuses or demands in the transfer market up until now. We spoke about Solskjaer not having an excuse anymore with Fernandez. Tell you what, Conte doesn't have one if the Serie A title goes pear shaped for him, though. No, not at all. He's he's been given everything at his disposal that he's asked for so far now, and I. I I agree with Paul. I think it's a great move for Ericsson and, and also a great move for Tottenham. They got some money out of it, didn't lose him on a free. And like you say, his days were numbered at Spurs. So all in all, that, that for me is a, is a good transfer for all parties involved. And um, Inter Milan, look, oh, watch this. They're going to push them all the way. Yeah, so what do you reckon, Paolo, with the title race? Uh, poor, poor start for them to 2020. But thankfully for them, uh, Mauricio Sarri's team haven't been going a hell of a lot better. Yeah, look, I think the fact that... Um you know, they've been co- so consistent all season and, and they're only a, a couple of points behind Juventus. Um, uh, I think Conte would have 
signed for that at, at the start of the year. And uh, uh, it's no surprise to, to um, I think, to see their results. Um, I, I was always confident that uh, under Conte, Inter would, um, you know, be a, a lot better than what they have in, in, in pre- previous years. I think the surprising thing is, um, given the way Juventus has just dominated Serie A, for so long and already at this stage of the season yeah mathematically they weren't champions but um you'd already say end of january start of february mm. juventus is is, is going to win it but today that's not the case and uh so a lot of credit goes to them and i i think in terms of um the deciding factor it probably will come down to when they actually the two teams di- directly meet I, I think that could be um you know where it's decided who were the two, four teams in the semi-finals again there? Yeah, Juventus and Milan were the other two. Ooh, Inter versus Milan in the final. That'll there you bring, go. That bring back some, Zlatan. Good old, some good old school memories coming yeah. back to see them. Too. Zlatan coming back in. Um, Mauricio Sarri, that was a pretty underwhelming performance against Napoli on the weekend. Um, Antonio Conte, he would love to outdo Juventus, love to outdo Sarri. Your verdict on, I know you were a big Sarri ball fan last year, but has he got as many brownie points this year with you? Yeah, look, uh, I, I, he's smiling. I, <laughs> I enjoy watching Juventus play more now than what I have done in the previous seasons. And that's not, not, not to, um, you know, criticize Allegri or, or discredit him as a coach. Fantastic coaches, um, you know, won so much uh, with Milan previously and also with Juventus. Uh, you know me, boys. <laughs> don't touch Maurizio Sarri. I'm one of his uh, his biggest supporters. And yes, it was a poor performance on the weekend um, against a Napoli team who, let's face it, were was super super desperate to get a result. And everyone wants to beat Juventus. Um, that's always a tough place to go for Juventus. Um, you know, the, the the Napoli supporters uh, have zero sympathy for uh, for Juventus. It was always going to be a tough one. Did I expect Juventus uh, to perform? how they did and, and, and lose, no, but they're still top. So far, so far. Cat amongst the pigeons, though, just one more for you, Paolo. Those are the team that you played for, Lazio. 15 games, 15 straight, no, 15 games unbeaten. An extraordinary and unexpected run, I think it might be right to say. Um, what do you put it down to? Oh, just, yeah, good management. Um, Simone Inzaghi is doing a, a fantastic job and, and um, you know, given given the, the resources, um, yeah, it's surprising to see them so high up the table. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, a club that doesn't spend the money um, that, say, Juventus, you know, have, have done in the past and, and what Inter's doing at the moment. Um, it's very much uh, an organisation that uh, buys players on the cheap and, and tries to offload them uh, with a handy profit. Uh, and, and, you know, if you look at uh, not only the results, but the way they, they've been playing, you know, they, they beat Juventus two times in the space of, of a month um, and you know, fully, fully deserved uh, th- their victory. So I wouldn't count them out. Um, do I think they can seriously be there at the end of the season? No, I, I still think that uh, uh, Juventus and Inter have a little bit, you know, too much quality for, for them. But, geez, if, if they win their catch-up game, um, they're only two points uh, behind Juventus. So Confidence is a great thing yeah, as well. Absolutely. When you get in that rich vein of form, and the games can't come quick enough. Champions League positions, early, early call though for the four from you both that will wait the, the, the Champions League next year in Serie A? 
I think the two are two are destined. Yeah. Um, uh, do you reckon? I think Lazio will yes, get in there. Yeah, yeah. And then Atalanta, Roma, fighting out for. I'm gonna because I've enjoyed watching them so much. I'm gonna go for Atlanta. I think they're yeah, going to get them through. Yeah, because absolutely. if it comes to points, it'll go to the goal difference and all the rest of it. Yeah, Atlanta. And I'll tell you what, with their form and the confidence domestically, you never know what they might do in the Champions League given they got that fantastic draw in the Champions Atalanta League. Atalanta have scored 57 goals. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 57 goals in the comp- in, in the hardest competition to score goals, Atalanta. It's unbelievable. Eh? Incredible. Yeah, fantastic. So, hey, before we move on from Italy, just a last one to you, Bridgie, on Ericsson. Mm-hmm. Um, your tribute or what you remember him for as a Spurs player uh, over a, a really, you know, a long stint at, uh, at North London. Fond memories give everything for that football club. Uh, basically, when Luka Modric left, you know, we were left with a massive void there. Uh, and we're looking for somebody to step in and give us that extra little bit of zest and somebody that can open the door and good from set players. He was the man. And it was just, I'm delighted that he has gone now because if it had gone on till the end of the season, he would have fallen out with the fans. The legacy would have been broken. And it, I think all the fans would just like to thank him for everything that he's done for that football club. Look, it probably, Levy was trying to flog him for you know, £120 million pound the year before and he got £16 million for him this time. Um, disappointing how that was all handled, I imagine. Correct. But you must hope that Giovanni Lo Celso can be someone that Mourinho can use to replace him. Yeah, definitely. As long as Mourinho can get on with him because Danny Rose has just left to go to Newcastle United um, after having a training ground busted with Mourinho. So I, I knew he would, wouldn't be Mr Happy for yeah. very long. So um, that's, a, a, that's a massive coup for Newcastle, to be fair. Um, getting getting Danny in after that. So, yeah, it, there's, there's a big opportunity there, but it's a big gap to fill for Lacelso. But Because um, Ericsson was, I, I just felt it was he was a luxury player, mm. but give the energy mm. levels as well. Mm. Right, EO, then give us an answer. Well, we touched on Liverpool a bit before, but one more on this, because anywhere you turn in England, they were talking about this this week. Um, Jurgen Klopp's FA Cup stance, where he will not even attend the replay with the Shrewsbury Town FC himself, is... A disgrace. I'm I'm sorry. I think it's disrespectful to the FA Cup for the teams and the fans in the lower divisions that rely on this competition to get kudos, to get money at all levels of the game. If he if he wants to change his lineup, not a problem. But for him to say I will not be there, the disrespect to shoes be the amount of games that they've had. I think we talked earlier, Dave, as well. Shoes you've had just as many games in <laughs> about three or four less. Yeah. Less. So. I just find it very disrespectful the way that they've they've treated this competition. The League Cup was kind of the one that everybody used to say, you know, that's a bit of a, a get in the way. But for the fans and for the clubs, it generates money. So, um, I, I, yeah, I do. I think it's disgusting. Is it that Jurgen Klopp himself isn't going or is it the fact that he's resting players? Because he says he's making a stance because they wanted a winter break and all of a sudden they're playing games in it. Is it, is it his absence that annoys you or is it the fact that he's resting players and, and I don't mind any manager that rests players when you're going for a title you're going for the Champions League you want to win as many things as, as you potentially can so you've got to shuffle that pack it's the fact that he has said 
I won't be there. I'm going to give the reins to somebody else so he can learn the game. It's an FA Cup game, for God's sake. This is something that you dream of winning as a, as a child. Well, Neil Critchley, the under-23 boss, he'll be taking his players into that game. Paolo, uh, Liverpool could be on track for a treble. That You talked about the breathing space they've got before. Could this be a historic, mo- a really, really historic moment that he might just be overseeing? Or do the fans go, you know, we really don't care. It's the Premier League, it's the Premier League, it's the Premier League. Yeah, look, I'm with Bridgie on this one. I I can sympathise and understand with him that he's uh, unhappy about the, the, the fixture list. Um, no issue with him... Uh, resting players—that's that's normal. I think anyone would, do, you know, would would do the same. I think the fact that he has said he's not going to be attending or present um, and sending uh, someone else to, to to take the team, yeah, it leaves a bit of a, a sour taste um, because I love him. I, I, I think I think it's more of a personal um, ego issue here, as to as you explained. Um, yeah, they were promised, or they they discussed them having a break, and 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 then fixtures were, um, you know, they were told that they would have to play this game. So it's more that than, you know, him actually. He hasn't looked at the bigger picture and realised yes. what what repercussions his actions um, and what what he said could could have on this competition and what it could do to a lot of the people that, like I say, I, I love watching him. I love his team. I love what they're doing. But when little things come out like this and Paulo's in the egotistical thing for his self-gain, I was just like, man, please, this is... I just think it's very disrespectful for all them clubs that take part in this competition. I mean, on a contrarian point of view, I suppose he would be arguing that he's advocating for the winter break. Um, But then all of a sudden you look at the TV. I don't think the game's going to be on TV. I think they've had to give away tickets at reduced prices. Because how does it look if Liverpool get through and then the next round he plays his strongest team or... He's actually coaching the team again. It doesn't really... Well, I, I didn't want to go last week, but, okay, we got through and, and yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll come this week. And also the equity factor of it. You know, there's other teams that have... Shrewsbury wanting the money. Shrewsbury want the money. Shrewsbury all of a sudden might end up in a deep into the FA Cup run, throws the draw cat amongst the pigeons. I'll tell you one person who he can blame, though, is the... L- the jet striker Jason Cummings, I won't mention his nickname on this show, he is eligible for Australia and he is the player that sparked this controversy with his absolutely bonkers behaviour and incredible uh, exploits in that cup, cup what game. What is his nickname? Well, if you just say it as it is, it's Cum Dog. Is it? It's oh, just an abbreviation of his name. I Simple as that. Mad Dog, Cum Dog. Right, yeah. yeah, it's just an abbreviation of his name, right. but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a lively character. Is it right he's eligible to play for Australia? Yeah, oh, there you go. And he's actually been in touch with the Federation. Um, I mean, I, I don't know much about him. I hadn't heard much about him until this game, until his exploits here. But uh, he in interviews we, we dug up. Yeah, Graham Arnold ha- and the Federation have been in touch with him. Have so you, there you go. Have you seen his footage, Paolo? Yes, I have. I've seen where, the footage. where he comes in as a WWE wrestler with the, the, Amazing. Jade the snake puppet or whatever it was. Was it the whatever it is? But it was fantastic. Reading around a little bit more of it, he sounds like he is an absolute madhouse. He said what? There was some great news for Australian football this week with the Ollie Roos qualifying for a first Olympic Games since 2008. Graham Arnold steering the side to third place in the AFC Under-23 Championships uh, with that 1-0 win over Uzbekistan where Nick D'Agostino scored that winning goal there in that clutch situation there in Thailand. Great moment to celebrate. Um, he said afterwards now, the organisation now has to find money for preparation and prepare these kids properly. 
Paolo, you've, you've walked in those shoes before. You've walked in those shoes before. You know the obstacles that, that uh, this level of coaching has to come across. I've got two questions for you. First of all, um, your reaction when the team did qualify, but then what has to happen now? Yeah, look, it's, I mean, it's great for Australian football. Um, yeah, the opportunity uh, not only uh, for, these, uh, for these boys to continue to, to represent Australia, but to experience what it is to, to play at an Olympics. Um, it's a, it's a, it has a different feel to, to a normal tournament, let's say, that's run by FIFA, World Cup, uh, or a, an under-20 World Cup, or an under-17 World Cup. The Olympics is, uh, you know, it's the Olympic Village, it's all the different sports, all the, 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 the best athletes in the world. To, to have that experience, uh, to be in and amongst it is, uh, is priceless. Uh, I, I would... Um, Yes, I think that the, the preparation is, uh, is very, very important, but I, I think what's the most important thing right now uh, for these boys uh, that qualified or players that are eligible for the Oli Roos is not so much the two or three games that you get in preparation before the, the, uh, the Olympics is getting regular football from now until the Olympics. So if I was the coach and you said to me, uh, your players aren't going to play uh, for the next four months, or they're going to play in drips and drabs, sporadic, uh, but you're going to get three games in the two weeks leading up to the Olympics, I would go for them to play regular football because you can't, you can't replace that. Uh, you, can't, you don't want to cram it all in in two weeks um, prior to, to the tournament. So I think that is the biggest, uh, the biggest concern um, for them is how much game time or regular game time uh, are are these boys going to get? And if you look at Nick D'Agostino, use him as as an example. You know, he was the the guy that that, that got us there. You know, fan, fantastic goal, um, and he he had a pretty pretty good tournament. Have we seen him play this season for for, for Perth Glory for fourteen minutes? Fourteen minutes. There you go. So, I would argue that uh, Nick D'Agostino probably. Um, is not at the top of his fitness levels. You know, if he was, would he have been able to to be even more How influential? How good could he have been? Mm. Yeah, we, that's the question that that I um, have a big issue with is is with our talented young young players in Australia. We just don't know at what level or what's their maximum potential because we can't offer them that opportunity of regular football. Well, we can, but we don't. So we know what we aspire to in the medium to long term, but right now, no one can go to Tony Popovich and say, you must not play Bruno Fornaroli or Diego Castro because you have to play uh, Nick D'Agostino. So how do we solve this as a preparation between now and the Olympics? Is it, re- is it regular camps? You know, they did, Arnie did have them regularly for some games in December to January, so at least they were getting together. Is that at least a Band-Aid solution? Oh, it's very much a band-aid solution. Um, it's not you know, the answer. No. no, it's not because then it, it um, you know, how do you how do you monitor the loading? You know, they're two two days at their club and they're flying into a camp and and then, um, you know, I can't see A League coaches uh, being. It's all right for three weeks, but not for not for the next five months. Absolutely yeah. not. Uh, just as a, a the the opportunity, the window of opportunity that's fallen on Australian football, though, though. Um, Bridgie is um, there's World Cup qualifiers in March where Australia is just about through um, there's the Copa America so there, there is a series of games before this Olympic comes out so there actually is an opportunity for Arnie and these young players to really really aspire and push themselves to compete for whether it's a spot on the plane in South America 
or at the Olympics. Um, it's almost like a perfect storm to try and mitigate for the problems that Paolo actually just pointed out. Yeah, it is, and that's why I like what Graham Arnold has been doing. He's been working in both camps. He's, he's given them that... that um, the hunger and desire to go through and get through, but if there's anybody that can pull strings and make a statement like he's doing to try and get something done to help out all all the game, it's Arnie. And like you say, the players are going to do everything that they can to try and perform and go out there and get in these squads. But I just love the fact that he's come out and put a question and put a light bulb up there to say, how do we sort this issue out when nobody's been allowed to do so beforehand? Mm-hmm. Because um, what they've done is a fantastic achievement. Uh, and and I do like the way that Arnie is that Graham's handled this, and, and I think it's a, a big question um, that is we don't know the answer That's for. We just one. give a little makeshift answer there. What the solution is, we don't know. But at least there is people getting together now to come up with some solution. Well, this is put on the menu. The the achievement was in spite of it, not because of it. So it's on the menu. But how would you play it? Would you? I mean, I know Japan when they went to the Copa America played some of their Olympic. Uh, potential candidates to try and get them that exposure. I mean, I'm not saying to go into the game against Argentina with uh, the Olympic side, but would you actually uh, mix it up a little bit and actually take them there for the experience? How, how would you play it? Yeah, look, I wouldn't take them there just for the experience. Um, you know, if you're going to take a player that uh, was in this tournament with the Oli Roos to the Copa America, it's because you genuinely believe, I think, you believe that... You belong there. You belong there or mm-hmm. you... you, you you're at that level. Um, I, d- I don't think uh, the Copa America is a tournament where we should be experimenting with young players. Abs- absolutely not, uh, for for so many reasons. Because um, that could backfire massively. Absolutely. I, I understand the temptation, him. given that we're going to the Olympics, um, but I just think that uh, the Copa America is it's a tournament where we should be thankful. We're blessed that we've been invited yes. to go to. Sending the Oli Roos or sending, you know, a, a mixture, I think is is not the solution. Dangerous territory. Yep. Yep. Interesting times there. Look, the bottom line is it is exciting. There is a lot of international football coming up and that is something that we can hopefully use as a tonic for the game this year and, and, and let's hope have some positive results over the coming few months. Boys, we're going to just jump back into some transfers. We touched on Bruno Fernandes a little earlier. We touched on Christian Eriksen. It is the silly season, of course. And I'm going to come to you, Bridgie, first because everyone knows that Spurs can't go through the next few months without Harry Kane up front and still think the Jose Mourinho side is going to go to RB Leipzig and flourish and so on and so on. There has been movement. There still be more movement. Uh, 22-year-old PSV forward Stephen Bergwin is the first. All sorts of other rumours. Most curiously, Olivia Giroud. Um, your assessment of what Spurs have done and what hopefully might happen by the weekend what Spurs have done um, it's, it don't get us wrong it's nice to see somebody coming in everyone's got got credibility I'd like to see a little bit more yeah uh, but, but I've been seeing that for a number of years and I look at the I think it was oh the special seven that they're signed to see where they're at now oh. did, you see, did yeah. you see that and it's just slowly deteriorating you know a year on year that it's going and there's nobody coming to replace. So Spurs, I'm quite happy with what they've done. Harry Kane has been a massive, massive miss um, and will be, I think, till the end of the season. No doubt about that. He, I think he'll have his focus now on getting to that Euros to be the captain of England. So I'm still very, very disappointed in what Spurs have been doing. Um, and like you say, that follow-up, Danny Rose has gone, Eriksen's gone. They've got to get somebody else in, I do believe, for that for that to happen, whether that's a, 
in the defence, in the midfield, in the attack, I do not care. Well, it's interesting, I read that Christoph Piacek from AC Milan, who was uh, heavily linked with Spurs, it sounds like he's going to go to Hertha Berlin for 23 uh, million from AC Milan. I, I'm surprised that Spurs will get pipped by um, by uh, Hertha Berlin for him. Um, Edison Cavani, who's been linked to every Premier League club that needs a striker, United, Tottenham, Chelsea. It looks like he's going to do Atletico Madrid, but Paolo, the upshot of that is today's rumour was Dries Mertens to Chelsea. Wow. What do you make of that? Oh, look, he's a fantastic uh, fantastic player, and uh, I know you're a Chelsea fan. <laughs> look at Deb, um, how excited he is. I can see is. your eyes uh, lighting, lighting up, but is he a number nine, Bridgie? Is he a Tammy Abraham, a target man, and Olivier uh, Giroud? Um, is it a, a case of, well, we didn't get Cavani, we wanted Cavani? Um, what's left? What's out there? Uh, what sounds sounds good mm. if if we sign? Uh, rather than is he that <laughs> real type of number nine that uh, that Chelsea need? Yeah. Tivo Werner, Dembele, those types of players. I mean, that's they're, a tough spine in January. They are your they're your strikers that you know are going to get goals. So when you know Bergwijn's coming at Spurs, he's not he's not a striker. A bit a bit more of a winger. His goal record suggest that as well and it always worries me when Spurs now go and get Dutch players to go and play after Janssen yeah. who you know, just could not get going. No, it doesn't guarantee it doesn't guarantee you anything and with Mourinho you worry if he doesn't have a big strong target man up front too. And what worries me with the Chelsea with Mertens as well is the fact that Hudson Adoy players that are coming through like mm. kind of go hang on we're not stupid he's not a, he's not an attacker he's going to be playing on the wing mm. Mm. it just throws every could just disjoint everything. That might just be a bit of paper talk you never know but Cavani to Atletico on one hand seems like a great fit except they've got a few big name strikers already on their books. I know they're not scoring. Morata, Diego Costa. I know they're not it's scoring, a, but it's just choice. There's one thing that, that I, I think we all agree on. He's got to get out of yeah. PSG. But nine appearances, two goals this season. He's clearly not um, in Thomas Tuchel's plans anymore. So uh, he's 32, I think, now. 31, 32. Still, still got goals. Absolutely. Still got plenty of goals. Um, but apparently wants to only wants to play for Diego Simeone. If I was Daniel Levy, I'd be getting in a helicopter or a plane. I'd be waiting for him. I wouldn't let him out of <laughs> my sight. I'd be getting him straight back to um, Tottenham Hotspur's training ground saying, look at this. And likewise, Roman Abramovich and Frank Lampard. But, you know, you never know. Uh, Arsenal have made a couple of signings. Well, they've signed Flamengo defender Pablo Marin. Now, he's a left-footed centre-back. And Southampton's uh, full-back Cedric Suarez looks like he's on his way too. And Mikel Arteta gets what Arsenal haven't done for a while, signed a damn defender. And a good defender, <laughs> finally. I mean, when you think what Frank Lampard did at Chelsea early on when he got rid of David Luiz, a stroke of genius, because he knows how vulnerable and detrimental he is to that club. So Arteta, the the, the joy that he has had being at City, he'll, he'll have seen all the scouting networks, he'll have seen all the people that are on the radar that they've been tracking as well. And don't get us wrong, City will work two or three, or if not four, transfer windows ahead of themselves. They, they know players around the world at every age group. It's incredible what they've got. So Arteta, I think Arsenal saw something else in Arteta as well as being a club legend. They, <laughs> he's seen a bring, few little secrets. Bring your, bring your, 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 your laptop over with you, will you, Mikel? <laughs> very, very good signings. Hey, by the way, one we I didn't mention in the, um, in the Spurs roundup, though, talking about Chelsea... Olivier Giroud, is he going to complete the hat-trick of London clubs? Well, what, if he ended up at, at North London, what would you what'd you say about that? Well, if he came to Spurs, yeah. almost. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's not on Spurs' radar, is he? That's, the, that's, yeah. that's one doing the rounds now as well. Wow. Antonio Conte into Milan and, and, and Tottenham. 
Can you tell by, I mean, I know That's people great. listening to this podcast can't see the body language of it's me. great Paolo, imagery. But you have just destroyed us two there. <laughs> right, Olivia Giroud is protest vote from Bridgie if he goes to Spurs. Good stuff. Oh, here's a good yarn. Mm, not a great yarn, but absolutely a yarn in itself was the Manchester United fans that went to Ed Woodward's house, that's 20 to 30 of them during the week, and protested with flares and, and went in sort of a, a mob mentality to, to question uh, his leadership of the club. I think everyone agrees, out, out of line, unacceptable, no matter what you think of the direction of the club. But I did want to ask, in your time, um, what was the most scary, intense, um, intimidating fan situation that you found yourself involved with where the passion just spilled that little bit too over. Well, I think I've mentioned it before on a previous podcast or a show with Optus when our bus at Sunderland got attacked by the Middlesbrough fans mm. and they, they mm, smashed mm, all, mm, the, mm, all mm. the windows. That was, that was a scary moment. But when you're talking about upsetting a group of fans and, and what Manchester United fans did, I, th- I thought was shocking. If you're going to protest, do it at the stadium, not when you're with your family and that and do it in the right manner. The Sunderland, I had a club captain called Lee Clark came from Newcastle United, he had to win the Sunderland fans over in the first instance, that was his main challenge, performed like you would not believe, wore that armband with pride, scored goals, and you know, give Sunderland something that we'd never seen before, and a player that could be so creative, score goals, and, and worked worked his socks off to, to win them over. Now, Lee made a massive, massive mistake, and he went down to watch Newcastle play in the FA Cup final with his mates, had one too many drinks and put on a shirt um, that basically was said FTM on the front of it. Um, I'll let people look into what FTM means, um, but it's it's very, very derogatory towards Sunderland fans. And you're thinking, what has he done? It was in all the papers. So anyway, I'll never forget driving the first day of training pre-season. There was talk, will Clarky be there? Won't he be there? And I think Peter Reid wanted that kind of player at the football club. So I've driven in early, one of the youngest lads, you know, you want to get there early, the preparation, and there was just fans everywhere. And I saw a scarecrow with a Sunland shirt on with Clark on the back with a noose over a tree, and they were burning the scarecrow, and they were burning the Lee Clark shirts, and I thought, you know what it is? Wow, this is going to be one hell of a, a wake-up call for Clark. You know, anyway, I think Peter Reid rang him up and said, don't ever come back to this training ground. And I think he might have gone to Fulham after that, I'm not too sure. But um, not, not... Out of the city. Yeah, not a pretty sight. That that that's a good match. That's a good match. Now we're going to look ahead to the weekend uh, as we end off here, and um, the football comes on thick and fast uh, this weekend on Optus Sport as ever. It kicks off with a really tasty one: Leicester against Chelsea, ten thirty p.m. coverage Saturday night, eleven thirty p.m. kickoff. Your Saturday night sweet: Watford against Everton, Norwich against Newcastle, uh, West Ham against Brighton. We mentioned that a bit earlier. Liverpool against Southampton. The reunion for all the ex-Reds there as ever in that game, uh, and Crystal Palace against Sheffield United. Bournemouth against. Aston Villa, all those games are in that 2am click-off. And then you get up again because it's Manchester United against Wolves, 4.20am on Sunday morning. That's a really fascinating game in itself to see whether Wolves will continue their outstanding record against the big sides. Uh, Burnley against Arsenal brings in your new working week. And in amongst that, there's plenty, plenty of women's Super League action with Chelsea uh, hosting West Ham. But of course, Sam Kerr will be involved with the Matildas during that time. And the round ends with Tottenham against Manchester City at 3.30am on Monday morning. Just going to go back to the Leicester-Chelsea game, guys, because that's a really just a nice way to kick off the round when you're looking at 
Liverpool, the title race, 19 points. We can try to pretend it's still alive as much as we can for interest, but it's a coronation at this point. The top four race and the relegation race, though, they are alive in spades, and Leicester versus Chelsea is going to be a really, really, really good indication, Bridgie, of where that top four race is at. Can anyone stand up? Um, this Well, this game is going to be classic. Uh, can they stand up? Chelsea at Leicester, you know, you look at the, the history of these clubs playing against each other and Chelsea away from home at Leicester they've won four out of the last five and they've drawn one when they go there they seem to have a better away record against Leicester so I think this is a game that they, they're going to go there with a real intent and sure and then the, the reason they've got to do that is because Manchester United um, what, what's the gap is it what we got six I'll bring it up I'll bring it up but it's uh, it's not six as big as it should be yeah so it's it's a massive incentive and I can see Chelsea getting one over over on, on Leicester here and just trying to concrete that Champions League spot um, as much as I've liked Leicester I've just seen a few cracks starting to show in that late goal in the League Cup mm-hmm. that Villa they mm-hmm. allowed Villa in defensively they've looked a little bit lapsed last few weeks and they haven't been scoring as many on the counter-attack. So um, I'm, I'm going Chelsea all out for this one. Yeah, well, Chelsea need to reverse some form to actually get that win. So that will be interesting to see. The nuno Olegana Sosai matchup, Paolo, will we be talking on Monday about the type of manager uh, Manchester United ought to be pursuing or will Sosai be able to make a statement? Yeah, look, I don't have too much confidence. Um, you know, I, I think Oli's as Bridgie said earlier, I think he's just keeping that seat warm for, for someone else, whether that's Pochettino or, or, or another manager, uh, a big-name manager. Um, I, yeah, Man United at home is is not what they once were, and, and of course we've seen what Wolves have done away at mm. uh, Man City, um, and, and, and you just said that against the, the teams above them, you know, their results have, have been fantastic. So they'll take that confidence knowing all of those uh, facts, and, and, and I I think Wolves will, will get the job done. Mm. They were so good against yeah. Liverpool the other day, but Liverpool, we know, are that other level. Manchester United aren't. And Bridgie will end off with Guardiola against Mourinho in the Premier League. Manchester City against Tottenham. Jeez, Jose oh. wants this one. Does he ever? <laughs> Jose wants every match. He, you know, the, but the two he would have looked at, he would have looked at his Man United one, uh, he would have looked at the Chelsea one, and this would have been the other one he looked at, the, the three of them. So it's a it's a massive incentive, but what's going on at Spurs this week um, behind the scenes would have definitely upset a few of the players there um, because Danny Rose was fondly thought of. And it's not nice when you are at a training ground when a player has a fallout with a manager. Mm. Um, it absolutely stinks. We, I mean, Paolo, were you there with Mark Viduca and Peter Reid? Not not nice when that happens because it affects the whole group. You you don't take sides, but you know you might go well. The gaffer's bang out of order. That's crap. What he did, Mourinho did that with the physio at Chelsea mm-hmm. and lost the group of players over that instance. Uh, did it with uh, Pogba at United? Lost yeah, the players. So there's the, the it was a bit probably that's a big moment. So how that affects them, I do not know. Um, can Spurs get a result? I'd love to say so, but realistically, I'm going to say no. Uh, City will bounce back and they they'll get the job done. It's kind of funny though, Mourinho against Guardiola, like the iconic managerial rivalry of say 10 years ago has actually crept up on us it speaks a bit volumes of the status of the season yeah definitely and I was just looking at that I've mentioned Chelsea there against Leicester how they they've won the last four and drawn one I think the last win that Leicester had would have been the 2-1 I think it was when Jose got the sack after that game 2015 Mm. would that be Mm, right mm, mm, mm. or was it longer 
You'll have to check. I have to look one. it up. I might have messed that one up, but I was just looking. There was definitely that result. Yeah, Raid Mahrez got him the second that game because I was at that. I, I forgot at, that bridge. I was at that game. <laughs> I was at that game. I remember, but I can't remember what year it was. So you know, when you think where it, where it's come from and what's going on in that that time, um, this is a huge one for for um, Mourinho. Can he do it? I can't see him. Okay, well, gents, thanks so much for your time today. Lots of football chat. Lots of football chat still to come this season, of course. Bridgie, look, enjoy your road run today and every day until the next <laughs> time we meet. <laughs> I've already done two 5Ks the last two days, so we'll see how long the knees last. Outstanding. Well, your mouth's done a few kilometres just now in the last hour, so you're one step ahead. Paolo Bridgie, great to see you. To everyone out there, enjoy your action on the weekend on Optus Sport. And until the next Gag and Pod, as ever, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.